1: Welcome in, everybody. It's the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings from Studio B on Airline Drive, right here at the headquarters for the Saints and Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly, and we're so ready for the weekend. Looks like it's going to be fantastic across New Orleans. We'll have plenty of basketball to talk about this weekend as well. Unfortunately, the basketball we talk about today uh, is about another loss for the Pelicans. They fell last night, again, to a fantastic San Antonio team that's now 52-9. and but it's the way that the game ended last night uh, that has a few folks scratching their heads once again. And uh, the frustration is certainly circling around uh, the basketball team as they've lost three straight. The final score last night was 94-86, to and the fourth quarter saw San Antonio outscore the Pelicans 26-18. to and, um, and much like the previous two losses, it was uh, an inability to score and perhaps take care of the basketball down the stretch. San Antonio went on a 12-0 run to finish the thing off last night, and the Pelicans failed to hit a shot across the final minutes of the game. Uh, There was a turnover at 2-2 that uh, didn't sit well with Coach Alvin Gentry. Uh, Coach will be with us a little bit later in the podcast. We'll gather in his thoughts uh, from his office last night following the ball game, Uh, a game that saw Anthony Davis go for a double-double, 17 points and 13 rebounds. And, uh, albeit in a loss, Davis did – Take another historic step in his young career. He tied David West's franchise record for points, rebounds, double-doubles with his 127th uh, last night, uh, obviously of his career. Uh, And so that was worth noting in the loss. And Eric Gordon had another nice game coming out of his uh, 16-game absence due to the fractured finger. But 30 points from Kawhi Leonard, 26 more from LaMarcus Aldridge. And even Danny Green, with a big shot or two late and finished with 11 points, saw San Antonio win. And uh, they're home this weekend, as are the Pelicans, who will host the Sacramento Kings on Saturday night. So more with Coach Gentry uh, in just a bit. The uh, showcase of our podcast today, though, is a visit with Saints wide receivers coach John Morton. Uh, Coach Morton, entire Saints staff, obviously back from Indianapolis and the NFL Scouting Combine. And Coach Morton and... um, uh, John DeShazer spent a lot of time together over that, uh, NFL scouting combine and the, uh, head coach, Sean Payton allowed, uh, new Orleans saints.com unprecedented access, uh, to of course their process at Indy and John DeShazer basically shadowed John Morton for a good number of days and chronicles that for you starting today on new Orleans saints.com. It's a fantastic piece. Uh, we've learned a lot about the process ourselves, uh, through John's eyes and now his writing. And today, John Morton will be stopping by here in just a moment to talk about the NFL scouting combine, uh, the relationship that perhaps was gained with John DeShazer in uh, pulling the back the curtain a little bit. And uh, we'll talk about the process that's still yet to come. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll jump into that. I think you're going to find it very interesting today. Uh, from one of the fantastic assistant coaches on Sean Payton's staff, John Morton, our showcase today on the Black and Blue Report.
2: Power outages turn your world upside down. You need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy Text Alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy.
0: josh groban on stage friday july 15th at bold sphere music at champion square featuring songs from his new album stages as well as his classic hits with very special guest sarah mclaughlin get access to preferred tickets with your city card tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or by phone at 1-800-745-3000. we are talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. John Morton, Saints wide receivers coach, just joined us here in Studio B. We're uh, so glad to have him here today. And we were very uh, appreciative of the fact that he allowed John DeShazer to mirror his every move for a couple days up in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. First of all, Coach, good morning. Thanks for being with us.
3: Uh, uh, It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Absolutely. How was it having John DeShazer on your hip there for a couple of days?
3: Uh, It wasn't too bad. Uh, (laughs) Those guys did a good job. Um, I felt like I was getting babysitted every once in a while. but uh, (laughs) No, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good idea to have uh, somebody shadow a coach and kind of see what they go through.
1: There is no doubt that it is um, a piece that reveals a lot about your process, uh, the Saints process, and what actually goes on in the NFL scouting combine. It was fascinating to me, John, to to kind of almost through John DeShazer's eyes, um, watch you guys march through what seems like, at times, organized chaos. Is that a fair assessment?
3: Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, for what the players have got to go through, I went through it as a player a long time ago it's uh it's a long process and those guys have to go through a lot and stuff on them
1: john what's the difference between when you went through the process uh and as as opposed to what it is now
3: uh i, th- I think it's pretty much the same thing except for it the the interview process is more organized back when i went in 93 you know you go through and see the doctors and if you're in the hallway guys are just grabbing you teams would just grab you and start interviewing you but now there's a process where it's organized you got to be here at a certain time and all the players show up and I think that's a lot better than it was back then because players were just everywhere and so were the coaches and and sometimes you could uh, interview a player and sometimes you couldn't cuz you didn't know where he was at So I think the way they do things now is uh, uh, well more structured and, um, you know, you get a lot done.
1: It seems to me, even with it being more organized now, Coach, uh, it's almost overwhelming. Uh, When you you read John DeShazer's piece or you watch it from afar, what's the best way or is there a best way to try and maximize those days in Indianapolis and kind of keep it to where it becomes a productive session for you and your staff?
3: Well, the biggest thing I get out of it is, you know, the interview process, um, getting to know these guys, you know, where they're from, their background, how they're raised, what do they like to do, are they football guys, you know, and just trying to figure that out. That's, that's a hard process to go through, and, you know, and then putting them through certain tests, um, you know, see if they can memorize, for me, you know, formations and plays uh, because the way the college game is nowadays these guys they don't even have a playbook nowadays really you know they look on the sideline they get the play and it tells them where to line up and it tells them what route to run and when they come here in national football it's a totally different deal now they got to learn the playbook they got to learn the terminology um, you know they got to get in a huddle for the first time basically they got to listen for the formation the play and they got to go line up and then they got to read coverage there's a lot um, you know, a player has to go through coming from the college ranks now to the pro. Uh, it's pretty tough on them. So you know, we're looking for those guys that uh, understand things quickly, and because uh, we don't have a lot of time. There's you know, there's there's not much time nowadays you get to spend with these guys like you did before in the past in the off season.
1: And and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of time spent with them even at the combine. We're talking about 10 to 15 minute chunks here, coach. And so yeah. How much of a decision on a guy is made through the combine? You know, is it is it just the starting point of a conversation about a potential saint, or uh, is there more gained from those sessions in Indianapolis?
3: Well, I, I think for a coach, there's not enough time, but for the scout that scouted this player, they've had plenty of time with this player, mm-hmm. and uh, it's tough. It's tough, but you know, you, you that's why in the interview process, you try to take every single guy that you have and put it through the same type of test and you can kind of get a judge on a guy you know to see if he can pick up things pretty fast or if he has trouble and you know those types of things you can kind of tell right away and you know if a guy's looking at you in the face if he shies away um, there's all these little things that you kind of look at um, but you know it's tough it's tough it's it's, it's really not enough time but You know, again, it's the beginning of the process. We'll have a chance to go, uh, you know, work out certain guys, go watch the workout, be able to talk to them, talk to their coaches, even more
1: in depth as we go on here. John Morton's with us here on the Black and Blue Report. John, you've been through it as a player. You've been through it as a coach, not only on the Saints staff, but other staffs around the NFL. What is unique about the Saints process that you found here in the last two times around?
3: Uh what i like is you know you have formal interviews and you have these informal interviews which it's uh it's just the coach and the player the formal interviews i like what we do here everybody's kind of in there the head coach you know the the g m uh, you know the college uh, scouting director um pro scouting and there's and the whatever the area scout is of that player i kinda like how we uh um you know, talk to him first and kind of get a little background or if there's something fishy about the guy you know, we try to get that out in front of everybody and then you know the head coach uh, says a few words and then I have a few words with him at the end uh, you know to talk about football. I kind of like that process how we do that as a team.
1: No need to name names here or even describe the cr- the class in general but did did you find a light bulb moment this past week in Indianapolis? Was there was there something really that made you smile coming out of this year's this year's process?
3: Um, yeah, I, I, there was a few guys that uh, intrigued me a little bit, and, yeah. uh, and now that I've I've kind of watched you know some of the guys now on film because bottom line is it's I'm looking at the guy what they do on film. It's not as much as the workout what they do. I think that's just a bonus what they do, but they got to be able to go and do it on the field. It's it's a totally different game, you know, in the National Football League. And I'm a, I always go back to watching film. Uh, I don't get caught up in, you know, the workouts a lot, uh, what they do at the Combine or their personal workout. I'm always going back to the tape because that's the real – you get the real true reading of that player when you watch him on tape.
1: And, and, John, you seem to have a real handle on – being able to translate what looks really good on college film or in an interview to what will translate into the NFL is, is there one or two things that you can put your finger on that helps define whether or not a kid is ready to participate and also perform at the next level?
3: Uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. But, uh, you know, guys that for me, guys that can catch and catch with uh, defenders on them. I mean, cause let's just face it, you know, there's not, there's, Not a lot of receivers are getting a lot of separation nowadays, the way defenses are played. The corners are bigger. And I'm looking for that guy that doesn't mind contact and can make the play with defenders on him, and that's consistent. That's Mm -hmm. consistent. A guy that you see that can kind of move around. Uh, I'm looking for body control. Uh, Those are the type of things I'm looking for. If they got speed, that's a good bonus. But you got to be able to play – uh with defenders on you getting getting pushed um you gotta be able to be able to move around um and find. so you know it's our job to find ways to get guys open so those are the type of guys i'm looking for you know football players just straight football players and if they can run that's a bonus i think that's a bonus but they gotta be able to transfer that 40 time to the field some guys can't do that
1: yeah It's the perfect transition for me to ask you about Marcus Colston. Um, When you described a lot of the things that you just went through, I couldn't help but think of Marcus, who, by the way, was the seventh round draft choice. And as we uh, celebrate the end of his run with the New Orleans Saints, I'd like to know your thoughts on what it was like to coach him, even for a brief time, and and, uh, what kind of a wide receiver he truly was from a coaching standpoint.
3: Well, uh, you know, I was here in the beginning when Marcus was here. Yep. and uh, I was one of those guys that kind of fought for him. Um, you know, he was a – I've always – when I was with John Gruden, he always told me he wanted me to find these big receivers that had a lot of production, that's kind of under the radar type of guys, and he was one of those guys. And uh, when I watched film on him when he uh, from Hostra, you know, he flashed and did a lot of good things. The biggest thing that I got from him was he can catch the ball, and then he could do some things after a catch, you know, just catching it and splitting guys, breaking tackles. Uh, and but he, you know, he didn't do it on a consistent basis, but he could catch. And I thought he was one of the smartest receivers at the combine at that time, and he did have a high wonder lick. So, and we did, at that time in 2006, we didn't have a lot of. Uh, actually, we didn't have any big receivers. So he was intriguing to me as I studied him more and uh it just so happened, you know, I think we got a couple picks that year in the 7th round and I was I was down there really pushing for him uh to give him a chance cuz I thought maybe you know uh with time you know he could be a solid uh guy that we could go to on third down in the red zone because of his size and the way that he caught the ball but above and beyond his attitude was Tremendous, you know all those things I was talking about prior. You know the work ethic, the preparation, um, and he just loved football. He loved competing, um, and those are the type of guys we're looking. It's hard, it's hard to find those guys, but he represented the Saints so well because of all those intangibles that he brought to the table. And he played for a long time and had a great career. I'm gonna miss him you know I'm gonna miss him he's he's definitely put the standard in the receiver room how to do it how to do it day after day after day and he will greatly be missed because he was so trustworthy for Drew and everybody and he set example for everybody but uh you know I'm gonna miss him I'll miss him and uh everybody's gonna miss him but uh you know there was he took a lot of hits <laughs> Yeah. He took a lot of hits. He was basically a third or second tight end in this offense, and he did all the dirty work. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to go to the Hall of Fame someday, but uh, he's going to be in some type of Hall of Fame, whether it's
1: here in New Orleans or somewhere. Oh, it'll be here in New Orleans, and his name I think will be on that ring of honor at some point here. No question. John, I can't even think how truly unique it was to not only be a part of his early process, but then to, after having gone away to come back and see it at the end as well. That That had to be – I don't know if you realize it in the moment, but if you look back now, what, what was that like as far as maybe a study in contrast or maybe better yet a study in progression?
3: Well, it, I thought we did a great job this year with him of keep, keeping him fresh. You know, just like I said over the years, he's, he's, his body's taking a lot of pounding. But he knew how to take care of his body. Uh, we helped him through that, kept, tried to keep him fresh. And he was a situational guy this year, and he made some plays for us. But uh, it, it's kind of a little sad for me, and I'm sure everybody else, to you know, to see, uh, to see him go. But uh, he gave it his all. It's unfortunate the last two games he didn't get to play, you know, again because he took a big hit. Um, but I, I would have liked him to see him play at least his last game uh, one more time in the Saints uniform to see what he could do for us.
1: With Colston moving on now, uh, and obviously this is going to change here in the coming weeks and months, but John, could you characterize the wide receivers room right now for the Saints as it stands at this moment?
3: Hey, listen, uh, I've been coaching 17, 18 years, whatever that is, but this is the best room I've ever been around. Um, Just for the fact these guys want to be great, they want to work, they want to please, they're very unselfish. You know, And I've been around some different type of guys. You know, the receiver group, it's, they're different. And uh, these guys are team players. These are the guys that we're looking for. They'll do anything that it takes to win. And it's a very special group uh, that we have as a whole. I mean, I, I love every single one of them. And we just got to find a few more pieces that can help us uh, that will fit in this room. And we will. But uh, I, love, I love the makeup of this room. Uh, We got a little bit of everything, and uh, I can't say enough about
1: each and every one of these guys. What's next? Tell me about the process, uh, let's say, you know, between today and now leading up into April.
3: Uh, Right now I'm in the process of, uh, you know, watching these college receivers on tape and studying them for a couple hours. And, you know, we put a grade on them and uh, write reports on them. And then we'll have a chance to go work out a few guys, um, you know, and then, you know, we're watching what we do on film, what we did on film this past season and, you know, and seeing what's good and what needs to change or take this out and that and – or what we need, you know, and what we need at each position. So it's a process to the guys get here in April until they start working out.
1: Before I let you go, i got to ask you about your uh, your combine as a player. Didn't you run like a 4 8 40
3: uh yeah i did uh, it was really <laughs>
1: four through six just to be exact i didn't but, mean to uh, cheat you off two 100th of a second i'm the only show.
3: guy in the national football league that got a coaching job because it was a 40-yard dash
1: nothing hey, that was because you know, of al davis what's that story
3: well you know al he's uh well maybe you don't know al but uh he was all about speed because you can't teach speed and uh i think i rated i think one guy beat me at the combine and we both ended up on the Raiders at the same time. So, but uh, I had a few teams. I mean, after the combine, really nobody knew about me. And after the combine, I, you know, I really worked out really well, and I worked out for a lot of teams. And and I ended up being a free agent. Had a couple teams to pick from, but I went to the Raiders. Um, and it was a great experience. I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for you know Al Davis giving me a chance uh, to get in the coaching profession. It was real interesting. We always talked about football. I was a football junkie. So. And I, you know, I was on the practice squad there for two years. Mm-hmm. And, but we'd always talk ball. He'd just come to me, hey, bring me over after practice. And we'd talk about players and football. And he always said, hey, if you ever get, when you decide to uh, hang up the cleats, give me a call and let me know if I can do anything for you. So I did. I was playing in the World League at the time. And I realized I wasn't good enough anymore. So I gave him a call and he gave me a job basically internship, making $150 a week my first time. So I, did, I was kind of like in the, I was kinda pro scouting, doing advanced scouting, writing reports all day and night. And then, uh, then we hired John Gruden, and I was actually in Green Bay for about three or four months, and he was my receiver coach, and he remembered me, and he was looking for an offensive assistant, and uh, that's kind of how I got
1: started. Was there a time in your coaching career, John, that you were still as fast as the guys you were coaching? uh not now i think i weigh 100 pounds more
3: <laughs> no i'm not quite as fast anymore
1: no but pounds. even in your young coaching career i'm sure you could probably get out there and uh, mess around with them. probably a little bit probably a little yeah. bit john this was great i really appreciate not only your visit today but would you allow J- jaser to do i think our fans are going to love it and uh I love the fact that you love your wide receiver room right now, and I, I think we're heading into a fantastic off season with the Saints.
3: Yep, no problem. Uh, it, was, it was my pleasure to uh, have you guys follow me around a little bit and uh, get some info out there to all the fans and stuff.
1: He's one of the greats on this staff, a real fun guy to be around and a great football mind. John Morton, Saints wide receivers coach with us here on the Black & Blue Report. And more to come. Stay with us.
0: Join all-star Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans on Saturday, March 5th at 6 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center when your Pelicans tip off against the Utah Jazz. Pelicans Fest starts at 4.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans dance team. Tickets start as low as $21 for this fun-filled family event. So don't miss out on any of the excitement and call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. The magic of voodoo barbecue. It's people, passion, and pure enjoyment. Seasoned with Louisiana's best, it's a celebration every day. A fusion of Creole, Cajun, and Caribbean. It's the soul, the sound, the taste of barbecue New Orleans style. Voodoo Barbecue. Pass by your neighborhood voodoo barbecue today.
2: This is Anthony Davis, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Let's turn our attention back to basketball. The Pelicans again lost last night to the San Antonio Spurs, 94-86. to 86. Now the Pelicans have an overall record of 23-37. and 37. Uh, This is a team that's still learning in a lot of ways and still battling the injury bug, which worsened last night. Uh, news that Alexey Agence has a fractured sternum and will be out indefinitely. So now the Pelicans are down to 10 players. And just one center as it stands right now. Uh, Omer Asik may be back um, sometime next week, perhaps from a sprained ankle. But uh, the Pelicans are again shorthanded and having trouble finishing games. And certainly that's a part of what Alvin Gentry addressed last night with the media following the loss. Coach, it's another tough finish here down the stretch of a basketball game. I know it's three straight for you, but this one uh, tonight—it uh, seemed a lot like last night's game in the fact that the the scoring just seemed to stop.
2: Um. Well, we took uh, a couple of tough shots at the end. Uh, You know, they're a very good defensive team, and and uh, they made they made some some shots. Kawhi Leonard made a big shot. Uh, You know, Patty Mills made a big shot, and you know that's you know they're 52 and nine. There's a reason they're 52 and nine. But you know, like I said, we have to learn some kind of way uh, how to close out a game. I thought we had played and competed at a real high high level. Uh, you know, we had the game tied at the end of the third quarter uh, and, you know, we were right there. I thought we gave great effort, you know, uh, throughout the game. And we got to be able to, I think, uh, you know, finish the game by making some plays or making some defensive stops. And, you know, obviously the Patty Mills uh, offensive rebound was really big and that's something that we can't have happen. But for the most part, I thought we competed at a, at a really, really high level. And we gave ourselves an opportunity to be the real good basketball team, but at the end of the, you know, the last three minutes of the game, we we struggle again to to get it into the basket and to come up with stops.
1: Coach, when you say that your team played that way most all night, and then you get into those tight situations, those situational basketball, you know, possessions down the stretch, what what changes from the way that your team has been competing like that through the first say three and a
2: half quarters to the finish? Well, I think everything is turned up. You know, obviously the defense is turned up. Everything is turned up in those situations and. Uh, when it is, you have to be able to, you know, then hit another gear yourself and you got to be able to finish plays and, and as I said, uh, uh, come up with stops and, and, and keep the game in a, in a workable situation and, and they did that and we didn't. But I thought the effort was there and I thought we tried. Uh, we just got to find a way to uh, finish the game. Coach, do, you need, do you need a
1: closer on this team? Is, is this team young and still looking for that guy to step up
2: into that role? Well, I think we got guys that can make shots at the end of the game. Uh, you know, we're still in a learning process, I think. Uh, that team's been together a long, long time. And, uh, you know, they know exactly where they're going at the end of the game. And uh, they've been that way. You know, this is their 19th straight year of making the playoffs. So, obviously, they're, you know, a veteran team and a seasoned team. Uh, we have to find a way to figure out who we can go to at the end of the game that can get us those baskets. I thought we got some – we drove it right to the basket. We just got to find a way to finish it. Dre- Drew had two baskets uh, right at the rim. Uh, we didn't get them in. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough. We got to find a way to do it. You got, uh, one
1: of those possessions, like you got to switch, Danny Green was on AD. The ball didn't get in the post. Was that just a missed
2: opportunity or something? Yeah, it was a missed opportunity. You know, we, we, we try to get it there. But the one thing I think we've got to realize, and uh, uh, the ball goes into the post right there, they're not going to have Danny Green guard him. You know, so when he comes baseline, it's going to be a double team situation. But as I said earlier when I spoke, uh, in those situations, then he's got to become a facilitator. But we've got to try to get him the ball in the post there in those situations, yes. So that was a missed opportunity. Sorry.
0: Are defenses doing anything specific now uh, late in games or is
2: it just execution? We just It's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously you turn up defensively and then we got to do a better job of executing and, and being able to fight through the the grabbing and the holding uh, down the stretch that happened in this league. you got to be able to play through all of that.
1: The Pelicans have two more games at home before hitting the road for the, uh, well, very long road trip, to say the least, that will go from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Sacramento, California. The home games include a tilt tomorrow night at 6 p.m. against the Utah Jazz. We'll, of course, have full cover of the Pelicans radio network. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this week's edition of The Black and Blue Report. Stay with us.
2: You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminix. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all. And I'm Ed Martin, Terminix entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834-7330 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites. Terminix does it all.
0: For Fast Relief Cop
2: Summer's Summer is coming and Keeps
0: Air Conditioning and Heating is ready to serve you. Keeps offers a 25-point precision A.C. tune-up for only $119. Get your A.C. ready for the real heat that's coming. And as always, call Keeps and we'll get you cool in three hours or less, guaranteed. Keeps Air
2: Conditioning and Heating
0: For Fast Relief Cop Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report. We're ready to
1: wrap up this week's Black and Blue Report. And again, a big thanks to all of our guests this week. That's what makes this podcast go. And certainly if you missed any of our great guests throughout this past week, you can go back and listen to them at Pelicans.com, New Orleans Saints.com, or archived on iTunes, which is still free through, of course, the Apple uh, Store. So, with that being said, thanks again to John Morton today, and I want to to make sure you check out the full piece done by John DeShazer. It's fantastic work at NewOrleansSaints.com. You'll see it, uh, obviously, today on the website, and it'll be up all weekend long for you to check out. Head Coach Alvin Gentry is always gracious enough with his time. We thank him as well, and we'll look forward to speaking with him tomorrow during Pelicans warm-up, which airs at 5.30 on the Pelicans radio network. There will also be coverage on Fox Sports New Orleans tomorrow night at the Pelicans and the Utah Jazz. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you back on Monday for another edition of the Black and Blue Report. We're certain to have some more great conversations throughout the entire next week. For Daniel and I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com